Queensland's health system is a large and complex beast, with our clinicians working tirelessly to not only deliver care, but improve how it is delivered into the future. Clinical excellence stories shine a light on hardworking clinicians across our state, exploring their work, why they do it, and how their passion is translating into better outcomes in their communities. These are the stories Find Tomorrow's Care. You hear the hum of the engine off in the distance. As the plane moves closer, the whirring confirms the fears in your mind. Somebody in town is in a bad way, and the retrieval plane is here to rescue them. Providing services to the Western Corridor of Queensland, the Flying Surgical Service is flipping the script on care delivery and ensuring regional, rural and remote communities are getting access to general surgery. Better yet, it's from someone they get to know, offering true continuity of care. My name is Francis Asuma. I'm one of the flying surgeons. We normally are based in Brisbane, fly for five days to remote Queensland. Initially, we fly to Roma and do you know, various locations within the five-day period we're here, and then go back to Brisbane. So it's, it's a job that consists of partially working at the Prince Charles Hospital and also doing the remote job in addition. Um, the flying surgeon job is part of the flying specialist services that includes anesthetic team and also obstetricians on the other side. Uh, my name's uh, Robert Franz. I'm uh, Director of Surgery at Prince Charles Hospital. Um, general surgery by training, uh, been here for uh, 13 years, uh, previously uh, for 16 years at uh, Toowoomba Hospital. The Flying Surgical Service is an iconic service, uh, started off uh, many years ago uh, due to the need to service um, regional centres of Queensland because as you know the geography we're very scattered uh, west of the Great Dividing Range and um, it is uh, a very uh, unique service uh, in lots of parts of the world. Queensland is, is a very lucky to have that sort of model. Um, when it started, it was combined with the Flying Obstetrician and Gynecology Service. And as the years have gone by, the surgeon's uh, profile has changed. Uh, initially, we did a broad range of surgery, and now we're becoming much more uh, siloed in, in some ways. Um, yet the needs of people in regional Queensland remain the same. And the idea of the Flying Surgical Service is that we can provide a great deal of care closer to home uh, in uh, smaller communities rather than patients having to travel for hours when they can you know, have day case surgery or smaller procedures closer to home and use their family for support.
Hi, I'm Sandra. I had colon cancer, which was detected by the flying surgeons at Dirimbandi. I got operated on and it has disappeared completely. Flying surgeons are really fantastic. They, they were there when I needed them and we were sort of stuck in a place that was miles from anywhere. But there was help there for us and reassurance that everything was going to be taken care of. And it was. Met Ian, raised the family. Family left home. So we left home, bought a caravan, and been on the road for seven, almost eight years. Yeah, we've lived all over Australia with the Navy and with other things and now that we live on the road full time we don't count ourselves as from anywhere because everything is move on after a little while. So we like to go out, out back. You meet some travellers and they'll say, oh, have you done the lap yet? And you think, no. <laughs> Barely got out of Queensland in the the last eight years. We like to get a job or we might do volunteer work, we might do paid work and if you get involved with a community then you tend to stay a little bit longer but I mean two or three months would be the max. I got the screening test and for my birthday present. Then Ian nagged me and nagged me to do it. And I did it and within about a week and a half, I got results that I had to get some tests. So that's why we were in Dirimbandi at the time. There was two polyps and he put a tattoo on one. And I've always wanted a tattoo, so I thought I finally got one. <laughs> I mean, we did a lot of teleconference with Francis and so because we couldn't get into St George and it seemed that you were dealing with the one person that made you a lot more easier with the way you were starting to think you know is it going to be okay or is there more than one tattoo there that I don't know about so it's a continuity of care yeah it's very important in the sense that even though people are scattered remotely, they still need care. They need surgical care as well as all other things, you know. And uh, many a time, um, it's, it's very difficult to reach out to them, um, to offer them the services that they deserve. Uh, a lot of them have worked hard, they're taxpayers, and they're part of the community. So a very good option is to be able to reach out to them and, and solve the problems that they've got locally. Most people you meet here will want to be treated locally. In fact, some will decline even to go to the city for treatment. If it can possibly be done here safely, they will prefer that. Uh, of course, many a time you need to weigh risk versus benefit, and on rare cases like this, you need to send her out to a bigger center where uh, procedures that nature can be done, rather than you know pushing through and getting it done in, in a small hospital. It's important that the first contact is done by us. We're getting close, as close as we didn't get to her 
her hometown, of course, but we got as close as possible. And the first consultation, she came in person. It was face to face. And she would have often been coming to St. George face to face, except at some point there was the flooding in between and you couldn't access any roads um, to those places. And that warranted doing telehealth consultations, which worked perfectly well. We didn't, I mean, we didn't realise how good the service was. Having the continuity of care between Bandy, St George, Roma, and the care that Dr Francis and all the staff took in Sandra, it takes an enormous burden of worry off your shoulders. Really? <laughs> it does. The continuity of care is absolutely important in, in dealing with patients, particularly if they've got a serious condition like cancers, etc. We are fortunate that Rob France, um, who is the director at Prince Charles, managed to set this up to give us that opportunity to have a foot in, you know, in a metropolitan centre where we can facilitate their, their care as part of the whole package. Having said that, when it comes to follow-ups, we then will do it remotely and not necessarily let them come all the way down to Prince Charles again. So, yes, it's, it's an integral part of it to have a foot over there. It brings, you know, good patient care, but also a job satisfaction for us, you know, to make sure that, yes, um, uh, the standard of care is not compromised because they live far away from the city. The people who are out there, um, they probably know what is available, although they may not have seen the growth um, and the development programs like the Flying Surgeon. If they haven't seen it, then we need to get the word out to them so that they realise you're not taking three months off your life to travel to Brisbane. Your livestock are not in danger, your property's not in danger. You can look after your health and still be living on the land. The iconic service doesn't just improve access for regional Queenslanders. On call for the duration of the shift, the flying surgeon is also available to treat acute conditions in addition to surgical lists. After a perilous drive from Charleville, David first met Francis in the emergency department of Roma Hospital, where he was rushed in for an emergency appendectomy. This was the start of a journey from Charleville to Brisbane and back again with Francis providing continuity of care every step of the way. So when we come out here, we are on call every day and night, serving the remote community up until Friday when we fly out and 
sometimes over the weekend we get a locum to cover up etc but they're working on that as well so we get calls people coming in with acute conditions um, from places like Charville in June, Mitchell, etc. And so once they come in, we manage them here locally. Well, I think it's just as important as in metro metropolitan services. Um, just because you live five, six hundred kilometres west of Brisbane doesn't mean that you should have any lesser care than in, in a metropolitan or, re or a large regional centre in Queensland. So, yeah, I think it's very important. Surgeries also change. We're able to do a lot more things uh, as day cases. Uh, of course, that goes with technology. So it lends itself, again, more to care closer to home rather than travelling for many hours to have a day case procedure. But the quality of care should be equal to, if not better than, a metropolitan hospital. I'm David Fitzgerald. Initially, David was transferred to Roma for a CT scan to mm. find out what was going on inside, and I had to drive him to Roma. We were only here for about half an hour, and um, they decided that he was that severe that Dr Francis would operate on him. Dr Francis was already in Roma, and mm. yeah, within 45 minutes he was on the operating table. Um, having his appendix removed and the mess that it had created inside. When the operation was completed at 12.30 in the morning, Dr Francis phoned me to let me know how everything went. And then three days later, the um, bowel had perforated and Dr Francis arranged for David to be flown to Prince Charles and for a further operation that he could be involved in. In the case of Mr Fitzgerald, when he came in, essentially he had an acute abdomen and needed surgery. So we went in with laparoscope, had a look, and it wasn't an easy situation, so we had to convert to open. Um, initial diagnosis was appendicitis, possible diverticulitis for which he's been on antibiotics for days leading up to coming to us. The appendix was inflamed, most of the pathology was in the right alia fossa. Uh, laparoscopically it was impossible so had to convert to open to do the appendicectomy. However, um, two, on the first day he did very well, two days later he still developed you know, um, peritonitis and we got him to be flown to Prince Charles for us to have a relook surgery to have a look. And at surgery, essentially he had a perforated sigmoid diverticulitis that required sigmoid resec colon resection and a Hartman's procedure, in other words, an end colostomy. He was fairly sick at the time and um, needed to go to ICU, had to be on TPN and all the rest of it. But he made a very good recovery and then went back to Charleville, which is where he originally comes from. Down the tract, I scoped him to make sure that, yes, the colon was clear, uh, took a couple of polyps that were benign, and then he needed a reverser of his colostomy. However, he's, he was a fairly big patient, so we got him to lose some weight as motivation. 
uh, to get his procedure done, which he did very well. He lost like 20 plus kilos in a short time for us to do this operation. So we took him back to Prince Charles, reversed his, his uh, heartmans and hooked him up. And today when I saw him, the wound is all well healed. His feeding bowels are working. Weight is still fairly well maintained, which is great. I live in Charleville and it, and it takes three hours to get here by motor car. If you have roadworks along, it takes you longer. And when you're really crook, you, you feel every bump in the, in the road when you're driving. You feel it and it's so, you know, rough. And once you get here, you, it's good to see a specialist what's, knows what he's doing and talking about. So it was really good to see Francis. How have you been? Good, Francis, good. yourself? I'm fine, thank you. That's good? Yes. This is a good thing for the rural the people. They've got a specialist they can rely on, and, that, and it's to be so good for them. He's just such a lovely man and lovely gentleman, and the service is just A1. It's even when you get released from hospital and you come home, he rings up out of the, on his own good to see how you're going. You don't get that from anyone else, and it's just such a lovely thing, and it makes you feel like you're special and it just makes you die. Family members being around patients who are unwell is absolutely important to them. Many a time, that is one main factor. If you give them various choices of a location, first thing they talk about is I've got family here and there. So it's certainly um, very important to, you know, sick, sick patients or patients who really need to be in a hospital setting. Um, Family members being around them help even with their recovery as well as providing them all the support socially that they need. So if they are isolated somewhere with our family, that's really a difficult situation, having to deal with the disease itself as well as whatever news that we'll bring to them. And if they're all by themselves, it makes it harder to take. Um, it's easier if the family members can be around them and you can have a group discussion and make decisions together. So being close home is certainly a huge advantage, no doubt about that. I know on the day that I had to drive David to Roma, um, if Dr Francis wasn't here, David would surely have died mm. that night. Mm. So yeah, he was... He was in a set of angels' hands as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
on Bruce Harris and I had an emergency gallbladder operation in Roma at the Roma Hospital. And sort of after a couple of days we were finished up in hospital and the surgeon came along and said we will have to operate on this fellow and we went to surgery. It was pretty, pretty dramatic for the first few days. So then Broom went to Maranoa Medical and Nick was there and Nick wasn't happy and sent him up for a CT scan. And then on that Tuesday, we actually went back for the results of that CT scan and they sent us straight to the hospital and that operation was at 6.30, 7.30 that night, so yeah. His whole colour, he was just yellow. Yeah, so Mr. Harris came in and it was thought to be biliary colic, you know, which they thought was fairly okay to be managed you know, as an outpatient. However, he didn't do too well at home, um, came back for an ultrasound uh, on the Tuesday, um, and then he had spiked temperatures, and so they asked me to see him. And initially, on the day we were in Longridge, um, but then they, they called us over the phone and I said, look, I'll have a look when we come in. And I was thinking Wednesday is normally my theater day in Roma, so I can, you know, manage him overnight and then put him on the list for the next morning. So that evening when I saw him, it was getting fairly late and he looked very unwell. He looked miserable. He had a temperature of nearly 39 degrees. His heart rate was high and he looked sick. And the wife, who has been a nurse in this hospital some time ago, said, look, this, my man, uh, is really crooked, okay? He normally is a completely different human being altogether. So, of course, the operation couldn't wait till the next morning. We needed to do it that night. Took him to theater and did an emergency uh, laparoscopic cholecystectomy. It all went fairly well, and um, he came to the ward you know, recovered smoothly and that the next day in the afternoon once he was iffy bra for twenty four hours we got home we got him home in, in the in the within twenty four hours essentially without even being on any more antibiotics. The alternative would have been to fly him out of here in the night. Now, by the time he gets to the nearest hospital, which will be in Toowoomba, it will be probably midnight. He won't get his surgery done. And the delays will prolong on and on. And for a sick patient, um, I think the best outcome is to do the operation as soon as you can, which is what we, we did for him. And um, glad the outcomes have been so good. I found Dr. Francis quite good. Like, I only met him for a couple of minutes before I went to see her. Like, he arrived there late on Tuesday, came in there about five, ten minutes, and he assessed the problems pretty well straight away. He knew what was happening. And um, arranged theatre, and yeah, the next day we had a reasonable chat about what happened and whatnot, and how bad it was, and yeah and um, I found him to be quite good. Yeah. And no beating around the bush saying, oh, it could be this, it could be that. He knew what it was and got on with the job. Mm. If we had to fly out, I don't think 
I think that he would still be in Toowoomba base or somewhere like that because he would have actually ruptured that, that thing, you know. With pressure, getting into aeroplanes and things, it's not good. So it was very, very important, to, you know, and for recovery because we didn't have to be away from home and didn't have to be away from family and all that. But if I was left to the next day, it would have been another 24 hours before I would have went home. So I'm very thankful to Francis for saying, we're going to surgery now. Because I was really starting to recover by midnight. Couldn't tell you how much fluid they sucked out of him. It must have been a fair bit. Because my stomach was only half the size at midnight well after the operation. <laughs> Country men are different, you know. They, if they say they've got pain and it's four out of ten, it can be ten out of ten. He was yellow and getting more and more and more yellow, and that was the first thing that Nick picked up at Maranoa Medical Centre too. I really like Francis because he's operated on one of our other family members, and uh, the services out. We have a fantastic hospital. They are. The staff are beautiful. I think my recovery was quite good, basically because I suppose Francis decided to operate that night when he got there. It was more extended um, ill health before it was done. Uh, so I recovered quite well. He's operating with keyhole, probably made recovery a lot better. I haven't had problems that other people talk about they have. Like I can drive and drive in and out of a, say, a driveway going to the Woolworths or something and don't have a savage pain from that little bit of a jolt. Whereas other people I know have had gallbladder, they can't handle it months afterwards. So whether that's good luck or good surgery, I couldn't tell you. It's rewarding when you manage them and within a short time frame, they're going home and you follow them up after a couple of weeks and you know it's all resolved it's that's the driving factor for us next day was a real lot better than the day before <laughs> Benefits of the service go far beyond just improving patient outcomes. It's about maintaining services in the West. It keeps surgical skills in smaller communities and allows development opportunities for local clinicians. For a surgeon, it allows you to expand your horizon, work to your fullest potential and experience a different lifestyle as you're welcomed into a new community. My name is Francis Asuma. I'm one of the flying surgeons um, that work both in the Prince Charles Hospital and also in remote Queensland. We do come five days in a fortnight to 
serve the remote community with surgical services. We are part of the flying specialist services that includes anesthetic teams as well as obstetricians that come along with us as a group together. Today we're flying to Roma and I'm with my colleague Sarah and our pilot is Matt. Whilst we are in the remote setting, we visit different locations and provide surgical services. I originally come from Ghana, which is a developing country, so I didn't grow up with that much luxury, if you see what I mean. So when I come out here, for me, you can make the best or most of the situation you get. Sometimes it can be busy, other times it's not. If it's not busy, have fun. No, we do play table tennis with other colleagues. Um, sometimes some of the medical students can have a good hit. There's also the possibility to play tennis. Occasionally you go for a run, you know, to stay fit. Um, so the little time you have left in the evening, you can, you know, use it fairly wisely, you know. You have Wi-Fi in the unit you're given, so that gives you access to the rest of the world if you want it that way. There's a lot you can do to keep yourself occupied, if that makes sense. So that's the way it is, yeah. The plane that they provide has got very good services, got a very good radar system on it, and it's probably one of the safest there is. From what I know, they've been former Air Force planes, etc. So they are really well maintained. It's much, much safer than maybe driving your car to the grocery store, to be honest. Rarely you get some bumping and turbulence here and there, but you quickly get used to that. I worked for the Royal Flying Doctor Service for nine years, and I just was in awe of them every day. These smaller communities wouldn't get the benefits that we get because Dr Francis does come out to Charleville as well. We're just so blessed because of the Royal Flying Doctor Service. I'm uh, Dr Mark Garrett. I'm the clinical director of the Flying Specialist Service and I'm also specialist anaesthetist for that service here at uh, Roma. The Flying Specialist Service is an outreach service that is composed of a gynaecologist and a general surgeon and an anaesthetist. We are engaged by the Southwest Hospitals and Health Service to visit 13 facilities around West and South Southern Queensland to provide ONG and general surgical consultations and operations. It was a, a way of giving rural and remote population access to those services that otherwise they would have find it difficult to get to. And this is the reason why that we're going to them rather than them coming to us. So the benefits for the rural hospitals, and we do visit quite a number of locations. Uh, apart from Roma, where we base when we come here, we go to Gundawindi, we go to St. George, Miles, Longridge. They have the opportunity to you know, get through their cut ones and all the rest of it, you know, so that they don't breach you know, the, the categorizations and, and things like that. Plus, they're serving the community. Their aim is to serve the community, which is what we also aim for. So certainly it's very beneficial to, you know, the rural hospitals that we visit. 
When it comes to emergencies, from what I understand, the cost is tens of thousands to fly one person out to just get an appendix done, for example, a gallbladder um, surgery done acutely. Being there on the ground to deal with these conditions is really beneficial. It's also cost-saving, plus it's good service to, to all parties involved. The service when it started was, was run by um, quite uh, iconic surgeons. It ran on for many years until they retired or, or passed on. Uh, and then it was because of our training and so forth changing over the last couple of decades and family commitments, it's very difficult to recruit to uh, smaller centres, um, more likely from family and educational things as children get older, of course. And the, the scope of or breadth of surgery um, is difficult to maintain with skills. We had, I was invited, proud, privileged to be invited to uh, look at the service uh, some years ago with a couple of colleagues both from nursing and surgery to see if we can reinvigorate the service uh, and still provide um, a good a breadth of service to these communities which were then relying on locums to a, a very large degree. In fact, they couldn't recruit for several years and uh, we sort of spent several days looking at the service, uh, speaking to patients, uh, staff and then trying to come up with a model where we could uh, have continuity of service, uh, particularly from the surgeon's point of view, as well as nursing staff, and then also patients, because uh, uh, while locums are fantastic, um, they were only there for three weeks at a time and came from international sites into interstate sites, and there was not that continuity that one would hope to uh, get as a patient in a, in a small centre. I think it's a very rewarding job. It's um. It's satisfying, you know. You come out here, you get the job done, and you get, you know, very grateful people who really acknowledge the job you do for them. And it's completely different from when you are in the city. You know, we take a lot of things for granted in the metropolitan. Here you have patients who really understand the situation and really are grateful for the fact that you are coming to them and not the other way around. So it is a very rewarding and satisfying job. I would like to see the service expand. I would like to see it have more, maybe publicity or recognition. It's, uh, it's something new, I would say, and it doesn't exist in many different places that, that we know of. It's probably a unique situation that we've got. One thing I find very interesting in this part of the world is no matter how small a, a, a community or a town is, you may have a runway where you can easily land. That's a huge advantage. But yes, flying out to them is fast and, and more efficient than driving several kilometers to reach to the patient. So it's a very ideal way of um, being able to serve the community with um, what they deserve. There's a great deal of benefit of working and, and living out in, in uh, rural sites uh, because of a lifestyle for one thing. The type of work that you're doing encompasses a whole lot of different areas. You get uh, experience in different types of nursing, different aspects of medical management of patients, whether they be surgical or, or, or otherwise. There's, a, there's great opportunities for rural generalists 
uh, who are, who've got advanced skills in, in rural and remote Queensland. Uh, that is uh, people who've done anaesthetics, people who've got advanced skills in obstetrics and, people, and advanced skills in surgery, which is the reason why uh, we have got uh, a, quite a number of, of these uh, rural generalists out here providing services. I would strongly encourage them to do it. I'll be very happy to hear that, really, because um, not too many young people will want to go the medical pathway, you know, looking at sometimes the prejudice with our working hours and our lifestyle, etc. they've got options. So if a young person came to me wanting to be part of what we do, I would so much embrace it. I love it, yeah. Clinical Excellence Stories is proudly produced by Clinical Excellence Queensland. We encourage you to continue the conversation by following us on Facebook and letting us know of any improvements, big or small, that are making a difference for your communities. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you digest your podcasts.